Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Sajida Morali, CEO of the Professional Publishers Association. Before joining the PPA last year, Sajida had a successful career in sales at a number of publishers, including Incisive Media and Euromoney. Transition has been a recurring theme in Sajida's career to date. She tells me about her approach to transition management. I think you can never over-communicate. I mean, you know, you've, you've got to tell people about the end result that you're trying to get to and, and why all the changes that you're making and, you know, all the sort of tweaks and how you're asking people to work differently and things like that, how it all kind of works towards the end goal. About what the PPA can do to help its publisher members. And then I think just to really help unpack the complicated stuff. Um, and that includes, you know, what happens at a government level as well, as well as, you know, the, the digital publishing landscape. And um, I think there's a, a, a real kind of acknowledgement that there is power in the collective voice um, and that actually members can work together to create a better business environment. And, you know, we want to help that move forward. And why everyone has a responsibility to address the challenges of diversity and inclusion. Everyone can do something. And, um, you know, whether you are a, a huge multinational or you're a team of three, I think everyone can do something. And it shouldn't be something that's sort of left to HR teams to sort out as a sort of a people problem. I think, you know, it has to be something you sort of live and breathe in, in, in how you make decisions on, on pretty much everything. Amongst many other things. Before we hear more from Sajida, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business, a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Saj Morali, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thank you for having me, James. Now, you've just completed your first year as PPA CEO. I think it was September last year that you were appointed. How are you enjoying it? Yes, a year year gone by already. Third of September, it was back to school day. So um, I've definitely been, been learning lots. Um, so yeah, to go back to your question, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I mean, there's been quite a lot to do, um, and it's been great to set a a new forward looking strategy around the three pillars. So people, product and audience, um, and, and really over the course of the year, really seeing how the plan has started to roll out. So things like our steering groups, the different programs of activity and, it was really brought to life at the festival for me earlier in the spring. I mean, it was eye-watering to see what the team achieved. And I'm really lucky to have such an amazing group of people around me with a really varied skill set as well. So we we do kind of, you know, all muck in and, and get things done. Um, but they're all committed to driving value for members. And I think, you know, that's at the core of everything we're trying to do. Um Yes, it's been a great, it's also been really great to get to know the board. Um, I knew a few of them, but, you know, most of them were very new to me. So they've been incredibly supportive of uh, the new direction and, you know, working closely with Tom Bureau last year and now 
Nina Wright as PPA's new chair has been absolutely fantastic. So uh, quite a long-winded way of saying it's been a really fantastic <laughs> first year and we've, um, we're firmly in planning mode for, for 23. So um, yeah, that's good. And is it what you expected? You know, because it's very, very different to what you did before, I'm guessing. Well, I think a lot of transferable things. So I I do sometimes think about us as a B2B business in a way, you know, we've got members to serve and we need to make sure that they are happy and um, feel like they're getting value from from the product. So um, similar similarities. um, But yeah, it's it there's there's a whole kind of big portion of the sector that I've been learning a lot about, which I've you know, not not had that kind of direct experience in before. So that's been really good. Is that the, I'm presuming that's the consumer media side, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, my my first kind of bit into consumer media was when I was at New Statesman Media Group. So um, obviously New Statesman itself, but they, they have quite a, a big lifestyle division as well. So there, there was some kind of interaction into that sector, but um, you know, there, there's there's a big world out there that um, I, I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning about it, so it's good. And yeah. would you say from your first experience? Well, I say it's not first because, as you said, you did have some experience. But the the, the big difference between consumer and, and B two B. Do you know what a lot of the challenges that um, uh, that they are. I guess, um, you know, facing are quite similar, right? And um, I'm sure we'll go through that in the conversation today, but um, they're they're kind of, they're they're nuanced according to sort of what they do, right? But a a lot of the big, the big themes are are very similar. And, you know, it just shows when, when we're sort of running the board meeting, quite often we do a, a bit of a pulse check every now and then. And, you know, I think it's, it's really apparent that there's more similarities than differences. Okay. And before you were at the PPA, started at the PPA last September, if you look back at your career to date, what 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 would you pick out as particular highlights? Oh, I don't I don't think there's one highlight as such. I know it's cliche, but I think each period has probably brought a different highlight for me. So, um I mean firstly, I think when I was at Incisive, um being able to take on much more partnership approach to sales um being able to see that firsthand you know as a as a salesperson myself at the time and you know the the growth and creativity as well that we were able to offer by working in that way to what was a fairly dry industry um no offense to all the underwriters and risk managers out there but you know it was the 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 business of insurance right so um big trying to being able to get creative in that space and really drive growth was was brilliant um I think the people, another another one. I've worked with some incredible humans, um, some of who have positively impacted my career, but also some of those who have given me the opportunity to impact theirs. And I think I'm still in touch with with many of them today. Um, and I'd probably say the transformational projects have been a, a big thing for me. Um, you know, it's given me a lot of personal satisfaction when you take something that's you know pretty broken or you can see that there's so much opportunity but it's not just it's not being unlocked and you know along the way of course you have to make some really tough decisions to give it the right environment to thrive Um, and when you're doing it you're often questioning you know your choices the, the decisions that you need to make and and especially when it involves people it can be really tough and hard um and and 
very much like wading through mud. It's um, it can be quite exhausting, but. I think when you realise the impact that it's made, it's really rewarding. And I think my time at Euro Money was a, a major sort of transformational project, probably one I look back on with a lot of pride around what was achieved in, in an incredibly short space of time. So what kind of transformations are we talking about? Uh, are we talking kind of departmental level or digital transformations? What kind of projects were you were you um, taking, yeah, I mean, taking charge I th- of? I think that one was a, a bit of an all-rounded one, right? Because it was operational so you know I'm thinking back but the really strong brand really strong sort of trusted journalism that was going out there but I think the 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 operations of the business was was you know it it didn't it didn't fit with the the opportunity that was there with that brand and I think so operational changes there um a lot around processes and you know how things were being commercialized bringing new products into play, um, launching new products. So it was literally anything you can think of was part of that, was part of that time. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was really hard, but it was great to look back and sort of have that epiphany moment where you think, oh my God, you know, I can't believe this is the same business. So yeah, that, that was good. And, and how do you take people on that journey? Because presumably they're, they're all used to a particular type of work particular pattern of working you know change can be disruptive uh, and unsettling what's the how how do you get people to come along with you I think you can never over communicate I mean you know you've you've got to tell people about the end result that you're trying to get to and and why all the changes that you're making and you know all the sort of tweaks and how you're asking people to work differently and things like that how it all kind of works towards the end goal um so yeah I think it's about communicating and it's it's also about being kind I think you know it's it's a tough time when you're going through transformation and trying to do that in the the nicest way that you can I suppose and just realizing that there are people at the end of this so yeah now, earlier in your career at Incisive, you, you mentioned them already. You were named Salesperson of the Year, which must have been a, a thrill. Um, what was your approach to sales? I mean, I think that was a few years ago, but how would you characterize your approach to to sales? Oh, my God, James, I feel like I need to. I feel like you've been going through my CV. And, I uh, have. LinkedIn is very useful. You've definitely done your homework. <laughs> I mean, that was a really long time ago. And uh, thinking back, but I think the reason that I won that award was that it it was probably at a time where you know, things were still being sold by platform. So at the time, I know, I remember we had like a a print team and a digital team and an events team. And, you know, the reality is it's not how clients want to buy. And so, you know, changing it up, it was quite radical at the time, right? It's completely normal now. But um, at the time, you know, trying to take on a number of accounts and sort of just treat them differently, um with it and it ended up driving revenues by quite significant amounts year on year and um I, I think the other thing that was worth that is worth noting actually on the, on that question is I might have been the one that sort of went up and picked up the award but the reality is you know the 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 real commercial people in the team were the product people so you know the editors that were writing such amazing stuff that allowed me to you know that created the audience that allowed it to you know that made it possible for me to to actually sell um I I know that my MD of digital at the time was really happy to come and join me out on meetings and things like that so I think it was definitely a group effort and 
also I think a key part of sales people's roles is that you know you have to understand what the client's needs are but then bring in the right people to help land that message it's not always about doing everything yourself and I think that's relevant today even in my current role right so um yeah uh, but thank you for reminding me of well congratulations (laughs) (laughs) sometime later but if you look at how the sales teams have evolved you mentioned the move from single platform to multi-platform are there other ways in which the sales function at publishing companies has evolved over the last 10 years or so I mean it's it really is a completely different world right um uh, I remember there were times when you actually had incoming calls and you know people wanting to book double page cover wraps and all those sorts of things but it's it's a lot tougher and um you know I think big big kind of structural changes you know customer success is um in a way I mean you're, you're saying it's last 10 years or so you know that this, this isn't a very new thing but it's definitely something that's evolved over the last 10 years you know salespeople. um and I can say this because, you know, this is my background, but not always the most detail orientated. So having someone completely focused on delivery for a client, um, you know, that's been a big shift towards bringing more value for the client. And especially at a time where, you know, the the understanding of ROI and, you know, understanding the metrics that a particular campaign might have delivered and all of those things becomes much more important. So I think that's that's been um something that I've seen that's quite different um data audience storytelling you know I remember when all you really had was circulation and a a pass on readership but it's incredibly more sophisticated now and you know using uh, these audience insights to then even think about how you set pricing based on the value of the reader and how engaged they are and you know, all of those things. So that's that's been a huge shift, just thinking about audiences at sort of different stages of the funnel. Um, and then I think there's really just, you know, been a real move away from just selling on a particular brand to really thinking about audience segments. And But I think that's linked to how data is being used more um, effectively. Uh, and I said this at the beginning, but it is actually a lot harder. You know, there's a lot more competition now, which isn't just the other publishers in the room so um you know thinking about the platforms and you know the other ways that um uh, consumers and people working in 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 sort of industry are you know are are, there's competition for time right and um and that makes it harder to get cut through and I think you know that 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 standout thing is is a big piece as well would you say the skill sets of people within sales teams um have, have changed um i th- i think you know i've always been quite consultative in my approach so i've liked to understand what the needs are for a client and then sort of take them on that journey with me and you know work together on build, you know building a, a, a co-creating if you like and i think that was just important then than it than it is now as it, as it is now um skill set what what I would say though I think there's probably a slightly different expectation in terms of how business is done and you know whilst that relationship building is just as important um I think there's much more around you know value and ROI and and um helping the client to uh get the buy-in to what you know you might speak to somebody and and they really like what you're pitching or what you're you know selling them 
but actually it's it's really just one person's decision anymore so giving them the tools and helping them to sell that internally I think is a is a is a, a newer skill but yeah now the publishing industry has changed hugely in the recent past as you've alluded to and as we all know as a trade body which represents publishers what challenges has the PPA itself faced um, I mean, I'm only in year one, right? So I can get away <laughs> with saying uh, it's, it's you know, we're, we're still kind of working our way through that. But you're absolutely right, right? We are currently in um, a really sort of uh, difficult landscape, right? So changing mis- business models, new and evolving revenue streams, um, volatile kind of economic landscape and, and political landscape. Um, you've got the war on talent, uh, fast evolving sort of digital space as well. So all of that, everything that affects our members affects the PPA too. And, um, you know, we're, we're going through our own budget process for next year and some of the cost hikes that are coming through are like, oh my God, you know, we're going to have to be incredibly responsible and creative around how we make sure that we really drive um, what is going to give members the biggest impact. Uh, and what changes have, I mean, as you say, you're year one, so it's early days. But <laughs> well, what, what changes have, are you making, uh, is the body making, um, you know, in, in response to the challenges? So I, so I think look, in terms of what changes we've made and how our, you know, how our mission has evolved, so to speak, well, you know, we, we, set, we set the strategy um, at, at the end of last year and obviously we built it around the role that members really need us to play so you know they they need the opportunity to collaborate with other people that share similar challenges and um, you know it's it's about us bringing those different individuals and functions together um, to share knowledge you know share best practice address some of these sort of key things keeping them up at night and and kind of you know help them build their own strategy around that and that's that's coming into play with you know the steering groups that we're running and some of the briefings that we've run on very specific topics um i think the other bit that members want from us is really helping to better the reputation of the sector so the work around EDNI and our commitment to net zero are things that, you know, uh, are definitely at the, the forefront of some of our agenda items. And then I think just to really help unpack the complicated stuff. Um, and that includes, you know, what happens at a government level as well, as well as, you know, the, the digital publishing landscape. And um, I think there's a, a, a real kind of acknowledgement that there is power in the collective voice. Um, and that actually members can work together to create a better business environment. And, you know, we want to help that move forward. Um, I mean, in terms of, you know, the, the the tough landscape and what we're doing to help with that, I think, you know, pricing is an interesting topic where, um, uh, you know, we, we're, we're really thinking about how, uh, businesses can think about their own pricing strategies. We've actually um, teamed up with Simon Kutcher, who will be running a couple of webinars later on uh, this year on, you know, pricing strategies. And because ultimately, you know, improving on your yield can absolutely sort of affect that bottom line. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things coming up. But there'll be there'll be a number of items, right, that are really thinking about um, the overall mission, I suppose, that we have, making sure that member value sort of remains at the core of of what we're doing. 
And in terms of sharing knowledge and problem solving, is this typically through through your main events or are you doing webinars? How are you passing this this knowledge out to members? Yeah, so we... we... We, we, we've obviously got core events um, and um, we are, are running a number of um, uh, steering committees at the moment on different topics. So we have a, a group that comes together regarding subscription strategies and membership strategies. Uh, we have a group that comes together on, you know, business media specifically and sort of a, a leadership group that comes together there. Uh, we're, we're launching a digital collective uh, which is really thinking about, you know, digital product strategies and, you know, all of our members are sort of invited to play, play a role in those sorts of things. So there's, there's, a, there's a whole list that we can, you know, obviously direct you to afterwards. Um, but I think the webinars, yes, absolutely, you know, reaching, reaching people that can't necessarily come together in the room, making sure there's opportunities around that. And then really kind of using member feedback to understand, you know, what are the key topics that are um, are, are needed for us to, you know, unpack and 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 help the the, the, the membership with. And, and we're, we're quite agile on that front. So if we think that actually something's really gaining momentum, then, you know, it, it's it's OK for us to think, right, OK, well, we could really do a breakfast briefing on this particular topic. Or actually, there's a roundtable that we could do on, you know, X topic or something else on Y. So I think we try and stay quite agile. And we, um, we're we also very conscious of the fact that we have a really small team. So I, I am constantly sort of reminding everyone that, you know, it, it, it's it's about what's going to create the biggest impact for our membership. And we, we have to acknowledge that we can't do everything so prioritising those things that are going to create the biggest impact is really important. Now, you mentioned a digital collective. Could you give us a bit more information on that? Is that something in the pipeline or when, when is that going to come into effect and yeah, what so will it involve? So we're running um, uh, the first sort of, we're, we're, we're doing a smaller breakfast um, in the next few, I'm trying to think the date now, you put me on the spot, but we, I think it's coming <laughs> up in a few weeks' time. <laughs> Um, but you know, the idea of that is we get a good selection of people from across our membership. So, you know, um, some large multinational consumer brands, some of the B2B organizations, some independents in the room as well, so that we can really shape what that looks like moving forward. Um, but you know, product as a topic is coming up more and more. So, um, you know, we're, we're keen to, um, be driven by what members want. Now, you mentioned ED&I. Um, what would you say is the state of play at the moment when it comes to diversity inclusion in the publishing sector? Oh, um, I don't think it's that great. I think, you know, there have been some really good strides that um, that have been made, but there's still a long way to go. And um, I think the good thing is that we're in the right industry to drive that change, right? We can really... Um, we have audiences that we can speak to and we can, you know, make sure that we use the skill sets in-house to kind of translate a message. Um, and I, 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 I want to caveat that because actually some members are at really different stages in their journey, right? So you know, you've got some members that have got completely kind of huge, big DNI teams and they're rolling things out on a regular basis. And you know, they've got a really clear strategy on what they need to achieve. But, you know, there are some members that actually don't have specific teams dedicated to this. And I think something to think about is, 
you know, everyone can do something. And, um, you know, whether you are a, a huge multinational or you're a team of three, I think everyone can do something and it shouldn't be something that's sort of left to HR teams to sort out as a sort of a people problem. I think, you know, it has to be something you sort of live and breathe in in, in how you make decisions on, on pretty much everything. Does it tend to be the larger publishers sort of further down the road than smaller publishers or is the size of company not, no, not, not a necess- factor? No, not necessarily. I think, um, I mean, I think the bigger publishers definitely have the resources to to make that happen. Uh, but there are some there's some real innovation sort of taking place within our independent members as well. You know, um, uh, I went to an event that I was invited to recently, actually, um, by one member that sort of worked in the travel sector. And, they, you know, they've made some really amazing strides to um, change, uh, to drive change within their very specific industry. They're a B2B player. So, you know, there's some really good examples and it's not about because you're bigger you can do more 100% not um so but and 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 it's really important to get this right so, I was about to uh, say I mean I know it's a very basic question and I, I suppose in we kind of half we should all know the answer but it's important to say it but so, so why is it important to get this right well <laughs> apart from it being the right thing to do um there is there is just so much research to suggest that you know the impact that it can have from a commercial perspective so you know, the makeup of your teams and ensuring that you're able to attract and retain the right talent, but also how we sort of represent within the content that we're putting out, you know, representation is important. And, you know, you need to think about who you're getting, you know, who's contributing to your articles, the images that you're using. Um, It absolutely has to reflect that the audiences that we're, we're trying to reach as an industry. And in terms of practical steps, as you said, some companies are further down the road than others. For, for let's say, a company which hasn't done as much as they, they should have done and maybe they're aware of that, what, what practical steps can they take to kind of, you know, advance things more quickly? Um, I would say I would say you need to measure it, um, you know, very, and that can be really, it can be really basic in terms of how you measure. It doesn't have to be a complicated sort of, tool as such um you know thinking about who's writing your content or producing it um i know a number of members actually using bbc 5050 which is free was free i don't know what the latest is on that but um they were using it to specifically track this and it was a really simple sort of format but and and very easy to use but it helped to it helped businesses to understand um progress in that space um, and there's a number of other tools out there as well that are, that are available to help you do that. Um, I think thinking about your recruitment strategy, uh, thinking creatively about how you can reach out to, to new candidates um, and, you know, how, how you can make sure that it feels like an industry that is, um, uh, you know, the, the right industry for, for uh, diverse candidates as well. So, uh, recruitment strategy is another thing and then I think you just need to start somewhere I think it's one of these big topics that can be incredibly overwhelming right there is a lot to do and you can start going down that rabbit hole of right which bit do you start with first do you think about ethnicity do you think about gender disability you know you it, it can literally it can it can be mind-boggling but um 
Uh, and, and I think alongside that, you will probably have people pulling you in all types of directions. But I think, you know, being able to start somewhere and building on it. And, and I think actually the examples that I've seen across our sector is where that's exactly what's happened, right? So businesses have chosen, actually, we're really going to focus on ethnicity, for example, and, you know, go hard on that and really think about the partners that we use on that and, you know, and, and, and that, and then moved on to a sort of another area. Um, I think those, those are really successful stories that I'm hearing. So I think start somewhere um, and otherwise it just becomes this thing that falls into the two difficult buckets. So yeah, that, that would be my definite top tip. Okay. Now in 2018, Saj, you were the winner of a, a woman in advertising and communication award. Um, and I believe the award comes with a grant to, to help um, the winner further their career. Uh, could I ask what, what did you spend yours on? I spent it on an executive coach. So um, that was my first experience into, um, into this. And I, I, I really enjoyed the experience. And I'm, I'm now, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of this because I think generally, you know, I have, we have generally as a a sector, no issue spending money on, you know, our clothes or our homes or our kids and things like that. But, you know, investing in your career, I think is super important. Career therapy, as I like to call it. All right. Now, for for those who haven't been lucky enough to have an executive coach, what does that involve? And and look, it doesn't it doesn't have to be super expensive, right? You can you can get coaching at, at, at different levels, and I was really lucky to have that sort of first insight into it. But I think you know setting goals specifically around your career direction and where you wanted that to go. I don't I don't think I ever planned my career. I never gave it that long termist thinking, and um, so being able to sort of map that out, think about anything that's you know potentially getting in your way that you know carving out time I suppose to really think about it we're, we're all really busy and you know you can really get kind of sucked into that cycle of just you know you go to work you come home you you know do what you do when you come home or whatever but actually carving out time in your week to think about all right you know how, how's that going and you know what do I need to dial up in terms of my skill set to make sure I get there so it, it helped from that perspective and, and you can get that in many ways, right? You could do executive coaching, but there are also a number of amazing networks there that you can sort of lean on as well. So yeah, highly recommend it. Excellent. Uh, and in terms of, you know, we talked about you know, what publishers can do to um, improve the diversity and inclusion situation, but what advice would you give to people from underrepresented groups who want to get into publishing? So look at it from, from their point, point of view. Um, I mean, I, of course I'm going to say this but it's a great it's a great industry and um you know it's a great sector it offers a broad range of roles um but most importantly and I touched on this before it has the real power to drive change and really make a difference and that's true for whether you're in editorial or not and actually um you know we we've got a, a really active EDNI group and this is a topic that that comes up quite a lot actually and we've just teamed up with project 23 to help us with this work so they're in a really great sort of edni consultancy lots of experience directly in the sector perfect fit and um you know really thinking about um how we go out as an industry to attract the right talent so we've uh decided to run um a, a hackathon 
um, alongside our 30 Under 30 Awards, which are coming up uh, later this month. And it's using the help of our amazing winners and previous alumni as well to help formulate a brief, actually, that we can give to a, a design agency and, and really thinking about how we might represent the industry as a great place to work. Um, and, and the reality is, James, you know, if as a collective, the PPA membership can reach 85% of UK's population, that was a, 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 the, the last member research told us, um, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could all use the same messaging to promote the idea of come and work in our sector? Um, so we're, we're starting that process. And yeah, let's see, watch this space. You know, maybe we've got a great campaign coming up. That's very exciting. So that campaign, presumably you would kind of give to members and encourage them to use it in their titles, on their websites uh, and the like. Yeah, hopefully you will as well, James. So, right. uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll, wait for, I'll wait for the artwork to come through. But um, So that's what kind of timescale is that? You mentioned the hackathon is coming up soon. Is that something for rolling out in the new year by the sound of things? Well, I mean, l- let's see what comes out of it. We're just sort of dipping our toe in, you know, into this, but we're um, running the hackathon on the 20th of this month. Um, and, you know, we've got some great mentors um, involved to kind of help shape the day in the different workshops. But um Let's see. Oh, yeah, I'm Very excited exciting. about that one. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, representing the publishing sector to government is one of the PPA's uh, main roles. C- could you summarise the PPA's position on two of the big issues at the moment, namely the Digital Markets Unit and the Online Safety Bill? Um, I can try. Um, <laughs> I can try and summarise it. I mean, Whitler, you know, I, I, we, and I do, I, I want to make this point that we've got a really great public affairs executive that's really happy to kind of speak to members and give them a very kind of broken down update in terms of the intricacies of it. But, you know, hot off the press, he's back from conference season. Um, so let's start with the online safety bill. Now, you know, the online safety bill's progress through Parliament was obviously um interrupted by the recent political turmoil and I'm, I'm being kind when I say that um and and obviously the new government is now considering changes to the bill to protect free speech which could result in um the removal of contentious you know legal but harmful content category from from the bill scope so you know look I'm a mum of two teens and the reality is that from a personal perspective I absolutely want my kids to be safe online um, but, you know, we do need to make sure that specialist publishers are, you know, they're the, the ones that are creating that trusted content through really good practice around, you know, good journalism, that they're protected in the same way as, as recognised news publishers. Um, and, you know, we've had our position supported by Parliamentary Joint Committee, which really scrutinised that draft bill. Um so I think, you know, we're, we're definitely at that stage where we appreciate concerns that widening the protections too far could allow bad actors to be protected. And we are now considering amendments which would, you know, give our publishers protection while simultaneously uh, ensuring that malicious content would not be encompassed by, by those definitions. And, um, you know, if that doesn't happen, that would definitely deny UK citizens access to uh, real trusted quality content on a range of specialist topics so that that's where we are on the online safety bill um, and I think your other question was around the the DMU so the the government you know they promised a draft bill to empower the DMU in the last Queen's speech but we're we're yet to see that bill published and um, Tory conference obviously happened recently and the new culture secretary uh, Michelle Donnellan 
you know, she promised um, our, our public affairs team that the bill is uh, alive and kicking and will be published this parliamentary, uh, uh, but, you know, declined to provide a, a very specific date. So I guess we're in that space, right, that without firm commitments, there is a fear that the bill could slip. And uh, with an election looming as well, we could run out of could run out of parliamentary time. So, um yeah, that's kind of where we are at the moment. And, you know, it's really important that specialist publishers, um, the wider media sector and th- thousands of UK businesses, um, you know, they def- they desperately need the DMU to just rebalance that relationship with big tech. And, you know, the PPA is working with a range of businesses to emphasise um, the, the, the benefits this new form of regulation will bring to the economy. So, um yeah you know unleashing a wave of innovation lowering prices for millions of consumers at a time when cost of living is a real concern so um yeah we're we're kind of wait on wait and see on that one but um I mean is that a concern I mean obviously all the political turmoil which we all all have read about um uh, and the p- possibility that these things might be pushed into lo- kicked into long grass or even up till after the next election I mean is that a big concern I I well it's you know, it's taken its sweet time already. So mm, <laughs> it's, right. um, it's uh, I, I think, I think this is, I think this is one where, um, you know, yeah, yeah, it is a concern, right? It is a concern. And I, I would encourage members that, you know, want to dive deeper into that to speak to our public affairs team and uh, see how they can get involved in, you know, being part of uh, put, putting that, putting that message forward. Okay. And in terms of, you know, looking forward, um, obviously we've got recession coming possibly, but looking beyond that, um, how do you see the publishing sector evolving over the next few years? It's already been a period of huge change. You know, where do you see the trends and the, and the sector moving in the next few years? So I think, you know, we've touched on the cost of living crisis a few times and, um, it will it will definitely have an impact on our sector as a whole. And whilst it, it's it's difficult, I wish I could give advice on that particular topic. Um, but I can share a little bit about you know how we're thinking about our own budgets for next year. So we're preparing a a shadow budget which allows us to be agile and you know really spend as we move through the year, depending on sort of you know how how we're doing. But in terms of how the publisher sector might involve you know, what it might look like in, in 10 years. I wish I had a, a, a magic ball, right? We can't even predict the next quarter at the moment, let alone the next 10 years. But, you know, something's coming up. Obviously, the, the removal of cookies, which could be great for the sector. And um, I, I actually, you covered that in some depth recently. Um, I, I read the the article that you wrote with, uh, with Pete Wooten yesterday, which is really great. And I know John Barnes did one recently with you too. And I think would definitely encourage your listeners to to have a read of both of those things on that topic so okay absolutely um, but you know I, I think with the increase of fake news misinformation that piece around trusted journalism as mentioned a few times already today but it's it's making our sector increasingly desirable so it'll, it'll be it'll be good to see how that kind of that moves forward um, and yeah. are you I'm assuming you are but you know, are you optimistic about the future I think we're going to have a tough year or so, you know, just kind of um, moving through the the cost of living thing. But I am, yeah, I am optimistic because actually at a time where there's there's so much misinformation, fake news out there, it just gives that value back to, you know, the value of 
good journalism and and you know that's at the heart of what we do at the end of the day you know regardless of whether you're writing for you know a particular sort of passion area and you know um or whether you're you're writing for a particular industry and you're creating good solid content to help people create strategy around you know their their business strategy i think either either, either way there's there's core kind of journalism and content at the at the bottom of that and that's that's what's bringing back sort of real engaged audiences that, you know, that's really core to our sector. And in the pipeline, you've already touched on a few things coming up in the next few months, but in the pipeline from the PPA over the next year, is there anything you haven't mentioned, anything else we can look forward to? Um, I'd say more of the same, but we're really keen to sort of step it up a gear. You know, uh, we've got a rebrand that we are rolling out at the uh, later part of this year. I'm I'm refusing to put a date on it, so don't ask me, James. But okay. oh, <laughs> we're, that's yeah, we're 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 updating. You know, the the kind of the the, th- the the things around websites and templates and all of those things. But really excited about our new look and feel marrying up with the the new sort of direction that we're moving in in terms of our strategy um yeah I think you know lots of the same but hopefully stepping it up and what would you encourage PPA members to do you know you've you've got a lot of publishers on as members would you how what would would your message be to them it from from what perspective well in in terms of you know how they can get more out of their membership um in, in terms of engaging with the ppa itself and and vice versa yeah i mean i i would say that you know you the value that you get from the ppa is is kind of you've got you've got to be in it to win it so to speak so you know the 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 members that we've engaged with this year i think we're getting incredibly positive feedback around you know the direction that we're you know we're going in they've given us lots of sort of input in terms of you know how they want to see that move forward as well and you know we we want we want this to be something that belongs to our members as well so you know we we're working on behalf of them so come and come and speak to us and um get get involved and finally Sarge, a question we ask all our guests on the podcast outside of work how do you relax Oh, I'm I'm a mum. I'm a working mum with two teens. So the reality is, I don't I don't get a lot of time to relax. But I do force myself to carve time, and I always feel much better for it afterwards. But I, I love to play badminton. So um, I actually play for a, a local group every Monday, a couple of hours every Monday. So that's that's good. Um, I I love to I love to cook. So I love hosting dinner for my friends and family. And, you know, bringing forward new recipes, trying my own spin on things. But the reality is I am a bit of a homebod. And, you know, when you've when you've been speaking to people all day and especially now with the autumn season coming into full swing, you know, cozying up on the sofa, watching a bit of TV, a bit of chocolate is absolutely fine for me. So that sounds (laughs) good. That sounds good. That sounds good. I must ask you about cooking. What what, what kind of things do you like cooking and what's what's your favorite dish or to prepare, (sighs) I should say? Well, I, my family's, uh, my family's from Kenya and, um, you know, a lot of the recipes that, that I cook actually, uh, have been sort of passed down really. And, you know, I've added my own sort of twist to things as we've, as we've kind of gone. So they've, yeah, they, I, I've got a, a really great chicken dish, which I test anyone, you know, no, I don't think anyone can, um, can make chicken like that one. So, uh, but that's been handed down through my family and, um, yeah. It often um, it often comes out at the various dinner parties. So yeah, 
Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Sajida Morali, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Thank you very much, James. It was lovely talking to you. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Sajida for being our guest this time. I particularly liked her approach to diversity and inclusion. Everyone can do something. You don't have to be a big publisher. You just have to start somewhere. You can find out more about the Professional Publishers Association at their website, ppa.co.uk. For more information about us and to listen to previous podcasts, please go to our website, inpublishing.co.uk. You can also register to receive our free magazine and newsletter at the website, inpublishing.co.uk forward slash register. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks' time for another podcast. Bye for now.